young voices, big issues. Join us as we explore the real power of Youth Rising. Youth Rising. The Youth Rising podcast by NCS. Hey, this is Youth Rising by NCS, where young people raise their voices to make a positive difference together. We're the podcast for young people made by young people. And in this series, we're looking at the issues that are most important to our generation. I'm Eleanor Ray, and on this week's episode, we're asking, is privacy a luxury? We talk to couple and trans advocates, Jake and Hannah Graf, MBE, and hear from Kate Edwards from the NSPCC about the reality of being online. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS. Being part of social media and having the internet literally at our fingertips has become the norm for our generation. We're more aware than ever of the pros and the cons of being on social media and having access to people's private lives. But there can be an expectation on what we should be privy to, especially when it comes to celebrities. Serious warning tonight about hackers getting into your iPhone without you even knowing. Morning guys, welcome back to my channel. I hope you're all doing well. Well, I'd love to hear what the Daily Mail or the Sunday Mail's explanation for that article was, what their source was, if it wasn't the phone Why don't you just a day in the life vlog today? Everything from meeting our surrogate in the first place. I mean, the whole journey has been documented. When they're hacking you, they're hacking all of your stuff. You heard there Whoopi Goldberg, Molly May, News Nation Now, Hugh Grant and Jake Graf, who you will be hearing from later in the show. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS. So how do we navigate being online and still retain a sense of our private lives? Are we able to be on social media and not feel exposed? And is it possible to stay truly connected with our peers without an online profile? I had the chance to speak to retired British Army captain and mermaids patron Hannah Graf MBE and her husband, actor, writer and co-mermaids patron Jake Graf about their decision to share their relationship and parenting journey on social media. Hey Jake and Hannah, thanks so much for joining us on the Youth Rising podcast. Welcome both of you. So Jake, obviously you work in film and media where it's like commonplace to have a social media platform. What part has social media played in your life, especially since, you know, the big social media boom of like Instagram, potentially even TikTok, etc., YouTube, all that stuff? I grew up knowing that I was transgender, because obviously Hannah and I are both transgender, knowing that I was transgender and not having any kind of visibility, like looking out when I was a little kid and knowing that I was different and knowing that I was, you know, in a body that didn't feel like my own body, but not seeing myself anywhere. You know, the cartoons after school, there was no trans people. There was in the books I read, in the films I saw. And so, you know, for me, I know how detrimental and how harmful that was to not see that at all. And then, you know, fast forward a few years and... I got onto Instagram probably six years ago, seven years ago, when it was like, you know, right at the beginning. And I got a massive amount of support from the trans male community, which was great. And, you know, connected with a lot of guys who were doing, you know, really sort of putting themselves out there. 
and getting loads of messages from young trans men saying, you know, I see you and you give me hope and I know how important it is to follow a, a wide network of people and to really see that how diverse we are and how many of us there are out there. And, you know, I think it's all about hope, really. And, it, you know, much as I got that hope from the YouTube community when I was coming out 12 years ago, I know that we, Hannah and I, particularly as a trans couple, give a lot of hope to people now that, you know, trans people will find love and can get married if they want and can have kids and all of that. So for me, social media has largely been a very, very positive thing. So would you say, especially as an actor, was there like an expectation for you to have profiles or... I think it's, you know, particularly for trans guys, it's, you know, we walk down the street and you can't really tell a trans guy. And I think it was very important for me to have a a community where we could all find each other and signpost to each other. And, you know, you put your little FTM hashtag or your trans hashtag and you know that you're all popping up on each other's feeds and you're all relatable. You know, as an actor, when I came out of drama school, I remember my acting coaches saying to me, I wouldn't come out and be the trans guy. Don't be the trans actor. And I remember being horrified because I'd been out and, you know, being quite happy making films for by then four or five years. And then these were people saying to me, don't be an out trans actor because you will get pigeonholed and you won't get work. And I remember, you know, how badly that affected me. So at the beginning of my social media, I was kind of hiding the fact that I was trans and, you know, being really careful of what was put out there and what I was saying. And then I realised that that was just really harmful. And so I then started, you know, like I said, signposting my my kind of trans identity. And that's when I realised that, you know, when people can see you, that's when you find your community. That's when you sort of really feel like mm. belonging. And Yes, they say, I mean, I've been told by people in the US that unless you've got 100,000 followers on Instagram, you don't even get in the room for auditions and stuff. It's not like that here yet. But, mm. you know, it certainly helps in the acting profession or in the filmmaking profession to kind of have social media presence. You know, I worked with an actor recently who didn't have Instagram, didn't have Facebook, didn't have mm. anything. And I was like, mate, you know, you, you, you've got to get online because this is how people are living. It's only going to get worse or better, depending on which way you see it. And so, Hannah, for yourself, you also made the decision to share your transitioning story publicly, um, talking about the positive influence of representation in your own experience with gender identity. But like, how do you choose what you want to actually share and what you decide to kind of keep personal and keep to yourself? Sure. Well, I mean, the first thing to say is that I didn't fully choose it because I just transitioned. I was in the British Army at the time. I was an mm. army officer, I was a captain. And I you know, I was out at work, I was working, my friends, my family knew, and I was just kind of getting on with my life. And all of a sudden, I had a phone call from the army's press office saying, the son is going to write a story about you. Oh, wow. And I got given two choices. You either just ignore it, let it be, it'll, they'll say whatever they say, and it'll be tomorrow's chip shop paper. <laughs> <laughs> or you can engage with it and try and control the narrative. And for me, mm. that wasn't much of a choice. And I didn't want just to let the son just write whatever they wanted. So... The only way to control it was to jump in to two feet and kind of get involved. So I gave them a story, mm. I gave them images. And yes, it was clumsy. The headline was messy and, mm. you know, they didn't necessarily frame things in a way that I would like. But it was broadly a positive article and it was on the front page as well. So all of a sudden my life kind of blew up. And that's when the realisation to me came that actually there's a huge amount of things that you can do with a voice mm. on social media. And I suddenly found myself with a voice overnight because I was catapulted into the public consciousness. And I, like Jake, decided to try and do something positive about it and just talk about the fact that I was happy, functioning member of society the same as anybody else. But after that, as you say, you've got to decide how much you put online and how much you don't. And I think that's an understanding that grew over time. I think when I was first catapulted into the public eye, 
I probably shared a bit too much too quickly. And there are times when I regretted that. So for example, I when I was going through one of the surgeries I was having, I put it on Twitter and before I knew it, it was in the Daily Mail. And so it was a quite a, it wasn't that I was ashamed about it all, but it was like, wow, people are actually taking things I say in social media and they're available for the world to see. And it was quite yeah. a learning lesson to have that exposure. And you know, anyone should remember that whatever you put online on social media is public and you know you can't just think about it in the here and now you've got to think about it in the future so be careful when you're using social media and make sure that whatever you put on there mm. you're happy for it to be a permanent record forever to be seen and held by other people because that's essentially what you're doing i mean it seems like though in a situation where it might have seemed like you kind of lost control for a second it seems like you really like took it in and kind of empowered yourself in that situation, which is very commendable that you're like, no, I'm going to hold this story and I'm going to take it forward. Praise to you. Like, that's really amazing. <laughs> so you've also been open about taking breaks from social media on your Instagram page. What do you personally gain, Hannah, from stepping away and taking a break from social media? And also, how do you kind of decide when you're ready to come back to it? You just got to think about your emotions and how it's affecting you and especially when things get really negative so mm. unfortunately as much as Jake and I get a huge amount of positivity online we do also get some nasty things said about us some actually very very nasty things not very common but it does happen mm. and when you see that you've got to think is this really adding value to my life and if the answer is no and it's making you feel bad about yourself then you need to turn it off and so I think only you as yourself can know when too much is, is too much. I think having that awareness and reminding yourself about what social media is and how it works, it's really mm. helpful because that sometimes just grounds you. But ultimately, sometimes if it's making you feel bad about yourself, then that's not a good thing. You need to stop. And sometimes reconnect with your you know, relationships offline mm. and really take the energy, go out for a walk, listen to music, read a book. All of these things are really good to ground yourself in, in actual reality. And then maybe once you recharge yourself, you can go back to it. But it's a very personal decision. The main thing is just that you become aware of yourself when you're online, what you're doing, how you're feeling, and that will give you the right cues. Your parents to gorgeous little Millie. How did you kind of negotiate between you two and what you do share of your parenting journey? Was it something that you both agreed on? And was it always something that you felt you wanted to do? How did you navigate that journey of sharing your daughter online? I mean, with us, it was kind of a, a strange thing anyway, because we wanted to do a documentary with Channel 4 all about how people become parents. And mm. we were kind of lined up to present this documentary and we were working on it in that angle that we would be presenting. We interviewed lots of parents and surrogates and because we used the surrogate to have our baby. Mm. And we interviewed lots of different people within that kind of sphere of surrogacy and intended parents and so on. And then because we had obviously, you know, that the pandemic hit in the middle of our pregnancy with our uh, surrogate, the, the documentary shifted somewhat. So it ended up being purely about us and our story to becoming parents. Mm -hmm. So right from the beginning, we knew that everything about Millie's life from when she was a tiny little embryo <laughs> to when she was like, you know, being literally it's on screen popped into mm -hmm. Laura a wonderful surrogate to when she's then kind of you know coming out into the world every moment of her birth and and kind of you know how she came to be has been documented so for us then to sort of not have that online felt a bit disingenuous because we'd already put so much of her out there and we mm -hmm. were also very aware when we did our documentary and it was on channel four in uh, July, 2020, right in the middle of lockdown, we got so much kindness and positivity, mm. like thousands of messages that because we were in lockdown, Hannah actually had time to answer like 
thousands of ladies saying, you know, you're amazing. I wasn't able to carry my child either for whatever reason. I had, you know, a miscarriage or six miscarriages or I'm part of a lesbian couple and I didn't carry my baby or so many different messages like that. And we realized that we were in a position where we were giving hope to a lot of people. Mm. You know, a lot of trans people that we know don't feel that they are worthy of love or a partner or marriage or ever having children. And we were getting messages from a lot of the trans community saying, you know, you've made me realize that I can be a dad or a mum. Mm. And you've made me realize that it is possible, that we are worthy, that we are deserving, that we can do all those things. And I think that's why we have certainly to this point allowed Millie to kind of be in the public sphere. We may continue. If at some point she makes us aware she's not comfortable with it, then obviously we would totally you know, heed those words. But at the moment, it just feels like we know how important that visibility is to the next generation mm. and to all those trans kids that grow up thinking that they're lesser or unworthy or ugly or undeserving of all those things that other people dream of. And so for the moment, it's what we're kind of comfortable doing, I think. What advice would you give to young people about being online and having social media profiles, given that a lot of us also have never really known a time before social media? Do you think we can stay connected with each other without being so heavily on social media? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, in real life connections are obviously the best ones it's not always possible. So, you know, we've got to be realistic about that. We've got to be realistic in the fact that the world is probably going to get more dependent online. I mean, it is getting more dependent online. And, you know, let's just try and shy away a little bit from spending too long on our phone. Hannah's always telling me, you know, how much is your screen time? Because I'm like, quite a lot of day glued to the phone, you know, which is terrible. And obviously I use it a lot for work and I'm connecting with other filmmakers and I'm working on a laptop editing and stuff like that but there has to be a switch off and I think particularly over the pandemic we saw a lot of being online and zooms and getting kind of focused on screens and all the catch-ups which kept the world connected and thank Mm. god they were there that we were able to connect with family and friends and you know people that were really isolated during that time without social media that pandemic could have been a lot more detrimental but now that we're kind of able to see each other again you know let's not forget the joy that we all felt the first time we could go to the park and see our mates again the first time we go to a bar and see our mates again or a restaurant and share a milkshake with our friends again let's hold on to those feelings because you know if it came to it again then that's what we'd miss and I think we really need to remember that it is those moments spent in real life laughing in real life seeing your friends touching your friends holding your friends that's what it's all about it's not about staring into a screen so as much as possible let's kind of you know hold on to each other in real life IRL baby (laughs) I would say two other bits of advice one don't (laughs) believe everything you read Social media is really bad for just sort of retweeting, resharing. And before you know it, stuff that's never even been read is being like pushed around the world. And it is designed through an algorithm to to send you content that it thinks you'll engage with. And that can put you into a bubble. So you're only getting the kind of views and the thoughts that you engage with, which are naturally the ones you agree with. So it's, sometimes it's really good to go and just pick up a newspaper because you actually read what other people think and it can break you out of the bubble. So just don't believe everything you read online. It is a place where you get a lot of misinformation. Be critical and think about what you're reading. Don't just take it verbatim. And the last thing is, is that don't engage with people who are being horrible. Never ever has there been a situation where two people are being rude to each other on social media and one convinces the other one they were right all along and actually they just go, oh, I'm sorry. It never happens. It's a constant downward spiral. Mm. Don't engage, block it, 
delete it. You don't need it in your D- life. Don't feed the trolls because you know what? Anyone who's trolling, and there's a lot of people, and you know, they're, they're, as we know, there are the racists, there are the anti-Semites, there are the anti-LGBT, there are the anti-women, there are the anti... There's a lot of horrible people out there. And I always say this to any young people that we speak to, you know, remember that anyone who is sitting by on a keyboard putting out hate is really very angry at themselves and really much more self-loathing of themselves than they ever will be about you. Because if you've got time to put hate out, then you must be very, very unhappy. And try and remember that, you know, try and remember just to disengage. That you're, As Hannah says, you're never going to get them to, to kind of go, oh, well, actually, you've really taught me something wise today. Mm. No, because these are hateful people who just want to put that out into the world and feel better about themselves. So honestly, don't give them the oxygen, don't give them the time of day. And I promise you'll be a lot happier for it. No, definitely. So finally, would you say that the boom of social media has meant that privacy is a luxury now or not so much? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I think, you know, we are all now trying to hold on to that privacy. And as Hannah says, you know, you put something out there, whatever that is, and it is out there for good. Yeah, do you know what? I was at a wedding recently and they said at the start, please put your phones away. Like, we've got an official photographer. They will take photographs that we can all share. We want you to be in the moment. Do you know what? I've been to so many weddings and I thought, you'll take loads of videos and pictures. You never look at them again. Actually, it's much better just to have a memory. Mm. And so, yeah, sometimes it's good just to put the phone away and just live in the moment. Mm. That's a beautiful way to end. Be more in the moment. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining. (laughs) You've done a great job, I have to say. Thank you. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS. Our Youth Rising team got together to discuss the idea of consent when it comes to using a child's image. There's lots of laws out there, especially in the US, around media consent for child stars who appear in TV and film, how essentially their parents give consent for them to be in a TV advert or a movie or a TV show or whatever, is it really okay for the parents to give consent for that because it's not the parent going on the TV show? You're essentially then being forced to go on it by your parent because they have to give consent for you. And I think that's quite scary how they can have so much power over you. I don't understand that your parents, you know, they you think that they'd have your best interest at heart. I think it's quite hard thinking now how much my parents gave consent to around, you know, you just think, oh, it's just a drama group or it's just football. They're just going to take some pictures and post it on Facebook. But you just don't know where that picture's going to go and you just don't know what reach it's going to get. We heard from the NSPCC's Associate Head in Child Safety Online, Kate Edwards, who talked us through some practical ways young people can keep themselves safe online and where they can turn to if they experience any problems. Young people can support themselves and others to stay safe online by taking control first and foremost of your accounts and your profiles. So make sure that you are checking out the privacy settings and the safety settings and making use of these. This can be really important ways of limiting who can see the content on your account. Do have a think about the things that you're sharing. Make sure that you're not oversharing things like your personal information. 
I always think that your most important piece of personal information is your location, particularly your live location, because this not only impacts on your online safety, but also your physical safety as well. So think about the things that you're sharing and make sure that you're limiting who can see those when you're out there on the internet. Do watch out for things like scams, fake information, misinformation, and phishing. Sometimes if something seems too good to be true, it probably is on the internet. But some of the content can be a little harder to to spot. So do think about the things that you're reading and do think before you share things on with others as well. The NSPCC and Childline are here to support any young person with any worries you might have about your online life or your offline life. Our trained counsellors are here to listen and support you with these worries and you can get in touch anytime, day or night, any day of the year on 0800 1111 or by visiting childline.org.uk. You can contact Childline right the way up until your 19th birthday. No worry is ever too small and our trained counsellors are always happy to listen. The Childline website also has lots of information for you. There is a hub specifically around online safety with information to do with online bullying, grooming and phone safety. But there's also lots of other information on there as well. There's also the Childline and Internet Watch Foundation's report remove tool, which can help you to remove a nude image of yourself that has been shared online. As well as this, you can get support from your peers by using the Childline message boards, which can also be found on the website. The message boards are a safe, regulated space where you can connect with other young people and share any worries you might have and get support from people your own age. We know that this can help young people to feel less alone with what they're experiencing online or offline. Young people can help themselves and and help others to spot potential risks online by talking really openly. Talk to your parents and carers, your wider family, your teachers, any adults that you trust about the things that are worrying you about the internet. The thing that always strikes me is whenever I speak to young people or whenever I speak to adults, both want to talk to each other, but maybe that isn't always happening in practice. So do talk to each other, do talk about the things that might be worrying you or the things that you might be seeing. Having these open conversations can help you to feel less alone about this experience. If you are worried about talking to a trusted adult or you're not sure if you've got somebody around you that can help, remember that you can always talk to Childline. Reading list. Each week, we're getting our guest to recommend a book that has helped to educate and inspire them on our episode topic. This week's books are... So my recommendation for the Youth Rising podcast would be The Truth by Terry Pratchett. He is so good at like delivering social commentary on how technology and things change in the world. And The Truth is all about the build-up of media in his Discworld series. It's very, very interesting. It's very, very funny. And if nothing else, you can read it and enjoy it for the pure escapism, which I think I really love to get away from the world and just go into a completely fancy area. So if you like fancy books, it's definitely one to give a go. My recommendation for the Youth Rising podcast is The Handmaid's Tale. It is a phenomenal book and it really does have a lot of warnings for what's kind of currently happening in the world. And this book was written years ago, back in the 90s, I think, or 80s. But it is one of the best books I've ever read, The Handmaid's Tale. And if you want to couple it with 1984, as I did when I was um, doing my A-levels, 1984 and The Handmaid's Tale, those are my book recommendations for the Youth Rising podcast. Thank you. 
And here at the Youth Rising team, we recommend Technically Wrong, sexist apps, biased algorithms, and other threats of toxic tech by Sarah Wachter-Butcher. This book demystifies the tech industry, leaving us better prepared to make informed choices about the services we use whilst demanding more from the companies behind them. Join us again next week when we are joined by The Receipts and discuss all things adulting. Remember to rate, review and follow Youth Rising wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out our socials at NCS on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat and YouTube. I'm Eleanor Ray. Thank you to Sophie, Halim and Kate for their help on this episode. And of course, to our guests, Hannah and Jake Graf. If any of the issues raised in this episode have affected you, you can find free support and advice at nspcc.org.uk. This was a Something Else production for NCS, where young people turn no you can't into no, we can. Young Voices, Big Issues. Join us as we explore the real power of Youth Rising. Youth Rising. Rising. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS.